Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. Let me ask you a question. When you think about teaching in school, do you think of that teaching in school equals freedom? Do you th- yeah, there was no response to that. Um, I have a few school-aged children at home, and I guarantee you over the last several weeks, they don't come home from school saying, oh, I feel so free. Uh, well, maybe they do when they walk in the house now that they're not in school, but you know what I mean? Like going back to school does not necessarily equal freedom. And yet I wonder if there's some teaching that we have sat under and that actually leads us to a place where we do experience freedom. And we're going to discover today that Jesus had a bold claim about his teaching, about who he is and what he had come to do. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to focus on one verse, but kind of use it as a launching pad into a a greater conversation. Uh, As was mentioned earlier, we're talking about this path of discipleship between between connecting in community with one another, the importance of learning, the importance of serving, and the importance of worship. We're going to focus today on teaching and learning. And Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, Jesus says, and the truth will set you free. So looking at Jesus' words, he's saying his teaching holding to it, living in it. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Holding to the teaching of Jesus leads to a place of freedom. Now, just a few weeks ago when we were talking about what does it mean to to make disciples like Jesus made disciples, we talked about the importance of, of learning. And Jesus taught primarily about the kingdom of God because I believe he wanted to correct false assumptions about the character of God. And he wanted to proclaim a message of good news about what God had done, was doing, and would do in the future. Through many different kinds of illustrations, Jesus talked about what the kingdom of God is like, what God is like, and the unexpected nature of the kingdom and its availability, especially to those that many thought were on the outside looking in. So here we see Jesus telling us very plainly that holding to his teaching, and we're going to unpack that phrase, holding to his teaching is a marker of our discipleship, a lifelong following after Jesus. And that the truth of his teaching, his words, will free us from the things that enslave us. Now, if you go on to read past John 8, 31, which is what I read, you'll discover that the crowd did not like Jesus's claim. They focused on this idea of him saying that you would be free, and they go, well, we don't need to be set free. We've never been slaves of anyone. And this is where I return again. You've heard me say this before. The brilliance of Jesus' 
teaching, the timeliness and the timelessness of his words. Jesus did speak to a people then that were living under the shadow of oppression of the Roman Empire. And underneath, while they may have felt free to do certain things under that regime, the the truth was that they were longing for a, a freedom. They longed for the restoration of their nation and the restoration of the freedoms that they once enjoyed. The crowds that heard Jesus speak these words on that day felt they had a certain kind of freedom, but they forgot what a truly free freedom felt like. Now, we might have the same reaction. If Jesus were standing here today and saying, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, I wonder how many of us in our context would would say, oh, I really need that. I wonder how many of us don't feel free and we would wonder if that's a, a real thing that we need from Jesus. Many of us, I think, have a hard time identifying the things that hold us captive. Now, we say that we can quit things like coffee, gossiping about other people, social media, Netflix shows, fill in the blank, anytime, right? Somebody, until somebody challenges you to do just that, right? Until somebody challenges you and said, I wonder if you could give that up. Then we start to understand what really might be holding us. The words of Jesus are timelessness for us because they speak to us now because I think we live under a different kind of empire. It's much more subtle. How many of us, if we really stop and think about it, would admit we don't feel so free? We're shackled by our past and the mistakes that we've made, the influences on us as as children or things that happen to us as young adults. We're bound by desires that we can't seem to control. We have addictions to substances and devices and TV shows. Now, let me be clear. This isn't an anti-technology or an anti-phone rant or anything like that. It's a means for us to really explore what are the things that we would really have a hard time giving up. Can we just at least admit this together, that we live in an age of distraction so often that we forget about the things that really matter for the false promise of the thing that's in our hand. I mean, let's, let's just, how many of you, you don't raise your hand, you're not going to want to raise your hand on this one, don't raise your hand, but how many of you had the experience this week of looking at your device and scrolling through something while you're with someone else only to discover they were talking to you and you missed it? Yeah, nobody, nobody wants to raise their hand, but I'm, I'm guessing it happened. I'm guessing it happened. And, and it's a, an illustration of, of how we can get bound by things. There are good things. Tech, I'm not anti-technology. I keep in touch with my kids this way, and it's still in my back pocket right now. So it's not that it's completely useless, but we see that we're actually bound by some of the distractions that come with us. So Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, 
You'll know the truth. He describes reality correctly. And that truth will set us free. Surrounding ourselves daily are things that attempt to keep us in their grip. There's messages and images of things that we don't have that tell us we should have them to be happy. We live in a world where we are in constant comparison to other people and other places. And there's that distraction from things that really matter and people that really matter. Friends, we need the freedom that Jesus offers. We do. We need the freedom that he offers. The Apostle Paul would clearly write it this way, speaking in a different time, in a different place, and about different kinds of freedoms, but he was bold to say, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Paul was writing to a church, in the Galatian church, that was bound by, how am I going to do this religious ritual right? How am I going to observe certain days and certain, certain laws and things like that? And out of that, Paul said, oh no, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Jesus plainly says here in John 8 that if we hold to his teaching, if we are the people that hold to his teaching, we're really his disciples. And then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Now, when Jesus says hold, this is a really powerful word, and we're going to discover here that, that English translations end up taking this word, that this Greek word for hold, and interpreting it many and translating it in many different ways. The word means, it's the Greek word meno, which means to remain or dwell or abide. If you know John 15, to dwell or abide in the vine. It's the same word. If you abide and dwell and live in my teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He says something similar in John 14 when he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home. Same word, make our home, dwell, abide. Make our home with them. That word home comes from the same root as meno, to dwell or abide. It seems to be an important concept because another, another New Testament writer, Second John, John, it says this, that anyone who runs ahead does not continue or remain, abide, dwell, in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. We are promised the presence of the God who made the heavens and earth within us as we remain, dwell, abide in the teaching of Jesus. It seems that Jesus is saying that if, we, if and when we dwell in his words, his teaching, that in turn the Father and the Son will dwell in us. And he's saying that truly living in the words and the teaching of Jesus will set us free from things that enslave us. That's a profound thought. So he's saying to us, hold to the teaching, remain in the teaching, live and abide in the teaching. We might be wise to adopt the mindset of the Apostle Peter who stumbled so many times but got it right several times 
You remember the time in which Jesus said some hard things. This is in John chapter 6, and it says that a lot of people left him after he said this teaching. And he looks at his disciples and he says, you don't want to go too, do you? And Peter says, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's the attitude we need to have, friends. Where else can we go? Jesus has the words of, of, of eternal and abundant life. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, great, how? How do we do this? How do we live and abide, dwell, remain in the teaching of Jesus? Is constant Bible study the answer? Should I tell you to quit all of your jobs and come here 24-7 and we're just going to study the Bible together? If you know a little bit about the Bible, you should all say no. It's not the answer. But neither is it. It's just opening up my phone at the beginning of the day and clicking on the verse of the day and going, okay, good, got it. Somewhere in between those two extremes is where we need to live. Because let's be honest, previous discipleship efforts that have just been focused on knowing the Bible do not necessarily produce the character of Jesus in people. Just knowing the Bible and its content does not always produce the fruit that Jesus is looking for. This isn't in my notes, but I said it in the first service, so I'll say it again. Um, my wife reminded me of this recently, so maybe it's in my head. That, so when I was in seminary, I had to take a series of exams to become ordained. And one of the, the exams, I don't think we have it in the EPC. Do they have the Bible content? They do. Okay. Uh, so I had to take a Bible content exam while I was in seminary. And apparently, you're going to be about to be impressed, I scored the highest at that point in history on the Bible content exam. Now, I'm sure somebody's broken the record since then or whatever. Yeah, okay, but seriously, are you really impressed? <laughs> like, th- that? I don't even, if you gave it to me today, <laughs> I don't know, because I learned how to study it. They had the old copies in the library, I knew the, sc- the scope of things, and I happened to be able to take tests well. So is that what Jesus is talking about? If you perform really well in the Bible content exam, you are really my disciple. No. In fact, some of you might go, were there any questions on humility on that test? Because you may want to look into that. You see the difference between knowing stuff and letting the fruit of what God wants to do in our lives change us? I'll be honest, I, I, I started this practice after Tim Keller passed away. I was listening to an interview with him and I found out that one of his daily disciplines was doing something called a McShane Bible reading plan. It's four chapters a day, two in the Old Testament and two in the New Testament. And for a man that I deeply respect and was shaped by, I, I, be, I said, I'm, I've never done that before. I'm going to do that. And I'll tell you honestly, when you have four chapters a day to do, there are days when I am like, I got to get the kids to school, you know, <laughs> click, 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 click. And there have been times especially when I come across the New Testament chapters and the words are in red, which is telling me that these are the words of Jesus. 
that I feel like someone's kind of nudging me in the shoulder to go, hey, slow down a minute. Listen. This is me speaking to you. You see, learning from Jesus requires our attention and an intention to pay attention. It requires this, a, a, a change in our mindset, not just to do the thing, to go to the class or do the daily discipline or whatever, but to actually step back and believe that God wants to say something today. Not just in the red words, by the way, but that God wants to say something to us through these stories that the faith communities have been telling for centuries. So to hold to the teaching of Jesus, to live and abide in the teaching of Jesus means to slow down, to pay attention, and with an intention to let ourselves be changed by him. And over the next several weeks, you're going to hear us talk about these four things, four categories, so to speak, because it, doesn't, it isn't just about being a learner. We talked last week about connecting. I believe a discipleship to Jesus that leads to freedom is one that combines these things, that, that we connect with others that are willing to love you and speak truth to you. We need to do both of those, by the way. And we learn with others as a lifelong endeavor to grasp what Jesus taught and how he lived. You're going to notice a phrase in here as we go on with others, importance of community together doing this. And then we also serve with others as a way of loving our neighbor and being an ambassador of the kingdom Jesus proclaimed. And we worship with others to acknowledge and confess that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and abundant and eternal life is found nowhere else. Those are the four corners of the square, so to speak, the, 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 the stepping stones on the pathway to discipleship. And by God's creativity, some of you jump in at different places. But as I said last week, one of the things that I think we need to realize in this day and age that if you invite your coworker, your teammate, your classmate, or your friend to worship, that may not be the best first place for them. That the importance of connecting in community, beginning to learn and ask questions, that's why things like Alpha and Wednesday night are things that you hear about because they're smaller environments for people to go, hold on a minute, it's been a while since I've been to church or I've never been to church. What are you talking about? We need to have those kind of environments. And then also the importance that this isn't just about us up here in our head or even just in our heart that we serve the world. How many times did Jesus have words for his disciples about what they were to be in the world? Agents of his kingdom work. And after people begin to experience this, then I think is when the place that people actually bow down with their lives and worship. So that's the path that we are on. And as we, we focus and, and think about learning and teaching today, let me just ask you, where do you need to step more deeply into learning? 
Where do you need to step more deeply into learning? What do you think it means for you to hold to the teaching of Jesus? To live and abide and dwell in what he says. What does that look like for you? What practices have helped you remember what he has said? But then, as he mentioned here today, it isn't just about accumulating knowledge. It's a purpose to set us free. So what are the things that are holding you captive now? What are the things that distract you constantly? What are the habits that you can't seem to break? How might discipleship to Jesus free you? What Jesus teaches us is that living in the teaching of Jesus brings us freedom. Living in the teaching of Jesus brings us freedom. So may we, as a community, seek to be learners of what he says And may we find the truth about ourselves, about others, about the world, and may we find that freedom that Jesus promises. Let us pray together. Oh, gracious God, we thank you. You so loved the world that you gave us your son, and as he came, he came proclaiming a kingdom that would set us free. And he would come to set us free from ourselves, from sin. That the things that drag us into darkness and death, he came to release us. To proclaim freedom for us that are imprisoned by so many things. May we embrace the fact that we are still captive to so many things in our lives. May we trust and believe that you hold the key to freedom. It is for freedom that you came to set us free. So may we walk in your words more deeply every day. And may we together encourage one another to abide, to dwell to live in the teaching of Jesus and find freedom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the sanctuary for classic worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for modern worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.